0: is the Bad Reputation Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes on your smartphone or tablet. Featuring the most up-to-date reputation management, social media, and entrepreneurial information on the web. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ToddCollinsOfficial. And now, the host of Bad Reputation, the Reputation Rockstar, Todd Collins. In three... Two, one.
1: Guys, welcome back. I'm super excited about this one. We are doing this one a lot differently today. So we're doing this one at The Point in Towson. As you can see, there's some awesome food right here. Um, I'm probably not going to eat during the episode, but that's okay. Um, And I have an awesome guest with me on
2: Lodon. Lodon. It's okay.
1: And I do that all the time. <laughs> Anyone that has a French last name, I do that. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and I'm really, really sorry about that. Um, also, this episode is brought, so obviously the episode is brought to you by The Towson, Hit Brand Clothing, and of course Spotify, which you guys probably just heard the advertising there, but thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It means a lot to me. So, here, here's a funny story about you and I. About two years ago, Okay. Yeah. About two years ago, there was a, uh, our friend Rob yes. Wynald from Falsam mm-hmm. was putting on a reputation management seminar. Now you guys know me, I'm, I'm kind of well known in the reputation management field, and my business partner says to me, he goes, yeah, dude, there's a reputation management seminar and a panel that's going on in Haunt Valley, and I go, and we're not invited, <laughs> so we go. Rob's up there, uh, Denise from Cafe Hunt, another client of mine. That's right. She's up there, and you were up there. Yeah. And I'm like, who is Kate? Who's Kate? So then Kate starts talking, and I'm like, this there's shit, <laughs> right? And I'm like, this is awesome. And so I remember I walked up to you, introduced myself, whatever. Actually, I was outside when I introduced myself to you, and you were like, you were like, that's awesome, let's stay connected, and we connected on LinkedIn. And then two years, this, this is why LinkedIn's so important, by the way, guys, I connected with her, We didn't really say anything or do do anything, but I definitely followed what she was doing. And then we had some of the same people that we were kind of doing stuff with, and that's how you and I reconnected. I did a podcast with Amanda,
2: right? Yes, And then you
1: liked it, and then we kind of went from there, and then you and I picked back up on our relationship. And then it just kind of like peaked on me, because I love what Kate does, um, not only on LinkedIn, but on Instagram and everything else like that. It just peaked to me like, dude, I got to get you on the show. But we had to do different things different.
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: you just I just had to do it that way. So she trucked up here from Virginia. She locked down there at 10:30. She got here it's now 12:55 and she made it.
2: And we're going to get into this episode. Let's start from the very beginning. Where are you from? I am from the smallest county in Maryland, Calvert County. And whenever I say that to people they're like, "Howard?" I'm like, "No, Calvert." It's like southern, you know what, 40 minutes south of Annapolis is generally go. like how I describe it. In between Solomon's Island and Annapolis, that's where I reside. Right. Or resided. And it's funny
1: because when you grow up in Maryland, like it's, you, that's, that's how people ask where you're from. Yeah. You can say the county you're from. Yes. Right. But if they don't know the county, you just then pick the closest city that's well-known to people (laughs) and go about 45 minutes from there.
2: It's true. No, I was actually traveling in Spain and Portugal, and my girlfriend called me out. She was like, why don't you say you're from, like, whatever? I'm like, they have no context for that. I'm just like, outside of Annapolis, D.C., like, that's my... I go with sports affiliations. I'm like, I'm a Skins fan. There you so, go. D.C. is like how I describe myself. Because that's what
1: people ask me, and, not, and I'm like, I'm from Baltimore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then somewhere around <laughs> there during the day, I find myself in different places. but We can just say Baltimore. So, you grew up in, in Calvert County. Yep. Um,
2: you went to high school down there? I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you went to college. Yes. Where'd you go to college? I, so, I turned 18. I was from obviously a very small town and I got the hell out of Dodge. Like I was just like, and we're out. So I went to North Carolina, university of North Carolina, Wilmington. But at the time I had just started modeling. Um, and I had got placed with a boutique agency in Manhattan. And so I really realized to maintain any kind of career, from North Carolina to New York was not going to cut it. So I transferred up here to Towson University. I didn't want to go to school in Manhattan. Okay. Uh, so it was an easy train ride if I had to get up for work. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you, you graduated from Towson? I did. Yeah. Go Tigers.
1: Congratulations. Cause I dropped out of Towson.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> now I went, I went to Towson too. And I did the same thing. I grew up in like the middle of nowhere, yep. like six houses, two cornfields on the Maryland PA line. Um, Moved to Ocean City. Okay. Yeah. When I was 18. Yep. And surfed and got tattoos and I guess bargained, sort of. Sure. Not really. Sort of. <laughs> and then um, finally gave it to my parents and went back to college. We went to college, we did our thing. But yeah, Towson. And then in, like we were just talking about, you know, the point Towson actually used to increase um, and it didn't look anything like this, no. obviously. And I'm sure you know, TJ grabbed some, some, some footage that you guys have to see in various places now, but... Um, It was a great area to go to college, and it was a great time, in in my opinion, to grow up in this area. Yeah. Um, It's just a great location. And the college is great, too. It's grown a lot. So you went to Towson, graduated from Towson? I did. And with a degree in, here we go. This is always interesting, (laughs) by the way has nothing to do with with what she does now,
2: but go ahead. Well, interestingly enough, it it does, but it wasn't going to. So I, when I went up to New York and I was meeting with these agents, you know there's like some defining moments in your life and you're like, that totally altered the course of how things were gonna go. So I was up in an agency and these guys were sitting there looking at me and they were like, you need to lose 20 more pounds. You cannot wax your eyebrows without consulting us. Do not cut your hair. And you have to go on these photo shoots for 12 hours a day. And I was just sitting there looking at all these other girls receive this kind of direction. And I finally said to the guy, I think I'm on the wrong side of the table. Like you're making 20% of everything that we do. And I'm schlepping around like Manhattan and all these photo shoots calling you for permission to wax my eyebrows. Like this is crazy. And so instead of getting angry about it, I was like, I'm going to figure out how they do what they do and I'm going to do it better. So my whole goal was I was going to be like the Jerry Maguire of models. Like I was going to come in and be this like you know, ass kicking agent. And when I asked them how they got to where they got, they all went to law school. So I was like, okay, I guess that's what you gotta do to be a talent agent. So I started to study law, or that was my intention at Towson, I like was studying for the LSATs and everything. And then in the middle of it all, I took a sales course. And I remember sitting there Todd, and being like, well, fuck law, like this is what I need to know regardless of if I'm a lawyer, if I'm an agent, it's sales. And I became absolutely enthralled by it. So I switched my my major. Um, I graduated in mass communications with a certificate in PR. But really the thing that I loved about Towson and why this area in Baltimore was so formative for my whole entire entrepreneurial route was while all my friends were going out, I was just this nerd. And I started looking for businesses to connect to sororities and frats. And I just started hustling. And I graduated early um, with that degree. So yeah <laughs> and see a lot
1: of people used to shit on the mass communications degree yeah like people would make fun of it right totally but in my opinion it's a great degree to get because it's so broad it is. that it can, you, you can utilize it in many different job opportunities yeah in fact this is interesting I, I, uh, a young lady at, my, at the gym that I work out at Merrick. um <laughs> they I was talking to her the other day and I said you know what's it? I, I literally started asking in depth things I said how much do you make I have no filter, by the way, obviously. I'm like, yeah. how much money you make here? She told me she's like, $2,000. Sure. Like, i said, did you graduate from college? She's like, yep. I'm like, in what? And she's like, criminology and forensics. And I'm like, okay, you made two grand. Once you graduated college, two, three years ago. Right? Her brother and her sister, one graduated with computer science, the other one graduated mass communications, you're making $100,000 a year. Easy, yeah. Okay. And she's super smart. Yep. And she's making two grand a month. Yeah, and and so I I don't want anybody to ever feel like a mass communications is not a great degree. It's it's quite literally the best degree in my opinion that you can get now yeah. in college because it's so broad and you can utilize it in so many different
2: facets and so many different jobs. If you're going out to try to get hired for a job, instead of from an entrepreneurial standpoint, right? Absolutely, and I think they probably obviously come on. I graduated things, I'm going to say, over ten years ago now, yeah, ish, but um. I'm sure they changed the curriculum because of emerging media or what they were calling emerging media at the He's time. Fake. Yeah. But two of the best classes I took was news writing yeah. because you really got to the core of what's story and what's narrative, which is something that persists in all media mm-hmm. and marketing for sure. And then this class that I actually thought it was, it was like a bullshit class for the honors college where you were just recording sound and we would go to parks and record sound and learn how to edit sound. I'm like, when am I ever going to use this? Hello,
1: <laughs> dude. I'll tell you, and this is the truth. I've had over the last four years, we've had interns. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and with my interns, I take I take them everywhere I go. Yeah, I take them to meetings. I have them sit through meetings. I'm I mean, everything. Clients, right? Yeah. I have them jump into working with Premiere Pro and things of that nature, Adobe and all that kind of stuff. every single year. Okay, and this is no joke. They all tell me they learned more in the three months they were with me yep. then they've learned in college and these are people that are going to school for business for marketing <laughs> totally to business. so uh, to your point I still don't believe that college and the curriculum in, in, in school right now is is teaching these kids what they need to know when they go out in the real world right? and one of the things that the girl said to me she said I can't get a job at this place because I don't have
2: experience well and she interned with that type of yeah, place. I know. That's a real big problem for me. The whole, and not to go on a complete tangent about college, but to go on a slight tangent about college, I couldn't agree more. Like yeah. if and when I choose to have kids, I'm not going to make them go in that mindset of at 18 and then go figure out at a very expensive price what education you need that I don't think aligns with what they really sure. need for the rest of your life. Like at 18, who's deciding that? I totally would make them travel for a year and go shadow an entrepreneur for a year if if let's say sure. that's something they're interested in they're interested in criminology go shadow whatever and yeah. then go to college and if college is even as it is now the business model it is now a relevant thing and this is why i think it's so interesting talking about and this is a big conversation, like, oh, student loans in college, and this is where my, like, capitalist side comes out. I'm like, I think the whole thing's about to implode. Like, the whole business model is obsolete. I think in certain cases capitalism should do its thing because there is a new wave of education that needs to come disrupt that outdated paradigm of a four-year school. Like, how about we get more people in trade schools too? We have all of this machinery that's being operated by computers that agenda needs to be pushed, and Mike Rowe, who is also yeah proud Towson grad I love what he's doing for that. Yeah. Like, not everybody needs to go to four years. Not everybody should go to four years. No, I mean, I was a, I was
1: a, people already know this about me. I was a terrible I was a terrible student. It's just the truth. I hated school. Yeah, like, and it just did not work for me. And, yeah. I, and I was I was I was uh, aware enough to tell my parents. Stop paying. Because yeah, because I I don't want to go anymore. I'm I'm and even in high school I didn't like it. I remember taking the SATs the second time. Yeah, and um going in, I was it was I was being forced in to take the SATs. Yep. and I literally just filled out dots randomly. I did not care whatsoever. Yeah. about going to school. Yeah. I just didn't. And, I, and because quite honestly I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't even know what I wanted to do up until my probably. Probably like my mid thirties, early thirties, yeah. quite possibly was when I made like my first like entrepreneurial jump. But I always had that kind of sitting in the back of my head. If you've ever read my blog about the um, blow pops and eye poppers, yeah, that blog, yeah, about how I hawked blow pops and eye poppers <laughs> in middle school, <laughs> yeah, and that was my first like realm into like entrepreneurship. And so you were kind of already, your brain was already working that way anyway. And then what I found interesting about what you just said you were in college, your friends were partying and you were trying to figure out ways to create a business.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think at the time it's funny. Retrospect is like the best position ever. I could look back and say, Oh my God, all these entrepreneurial things. But at the time I just love to network. Like I'm an extrovert, extrovert. There's not even a, little piece of me that's an introvert yeah my form of torture is like put me in a room by myself mm-hmm. I can't stand it so I just started hustling and networking and I was dating an entrepreneur who was 26 I was 20 at the time so I would just go to events with him sure and I would take these <laughs> business business cards from kinkos and they said Kate LaDon, your future top employee. And I would just like hand them out to people. And it, it was a conversation, right? And I love like it. people were like, oh my God, like how old are you? So I couldn't even drink at these events. Right. And it was. And that's another thing too. Now in branding, I always tell people like the business card is just a conversational piece. Yeah. Like all of them will get thrown away. So just create an ex- like an experiential moment with it. And yeah. that was me in college. People just ate it up. I mean, they ate it up. And I started building this business network in Baltimore before I even got hired in a corporate marketing department in okay. Baltimore and that is what really came to serve me when I made the leap from corporate to entrepreneurship five years after.
1: It's funny you bring up business cards too because someone last night, uh, Dr. Zinn actually from University, uh, uh, University of Maryland uh, Children's Hospital asked me, do you have a business card? I said I want to talk to you about some stuff and I said I don't have a business card. I said just follow me on Instagram mm-hmm. and DM me. Yeah. I've quit giving my business cards out. Totally. And I'm like, if you really want to talk to me, yeah. connect with me on LinkedIn, yeah, follow me on Instagram, hit me up on Facebook, whatever. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Instead of, you, instead of me giving you a card that you're going to throw away anyway. Let's yeah. be quite honest. Or let's exchange cell phone numbers right now and let's start texting each other and talking yes. and creating that communication. I think that's the best way to do it. But your idea for the business card, that right there though, it, when people talk about print ads and stuff like that and yeah. I just gave people some ideas for print ads anyway but that right there is the best way to send out a resume. Yeah, I wouldn't even send a resume, I would send that that a piece of paper that literally says your name and your future best employee yes. and just send that to a company, that would 100% I'm not even joking with you, if it was a marketing company, that would catch my eye, I'd be like get that person on the phone right now. Right? Pattern right. disrupt
2: Like, 100%. let's do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. so Interestingly enough, we're talking about LinkedIn. You're a freaking monster on LinkedIn right now, by the way. Thank you. I'm not. I tried really, really hard. I'm I'm working LinkedIn hard. And I was working LinkedIn hard. And I'll tell you when things broke open for me on LinkedIn. Things broke open for me on LinkedIn when I was going through a really tough time in my life. uh, Probably about three or four years ago. I was struggling with some stuff internally, physically, stuff like that. And I just went to LinkedIn. I should probably, This would be more of a Facebook post, but I went to LinkedIn and I wrote so much about what was going on in my life that I ran out of character. LinkedIn. Yeah. And I posted it and it went crazy nuts. And I was like, whoa, LinkedIn. And I remember LinkedIn when there was a time where if you did that, you would get like banged. By people totally. because they would be like, save that shit for Facebook. Yeah, and blah, blah, blah. Dude, that's gone. <laughs> yeah, right. And I said something to somebody the other day about this. I said, those people are either fucking dead. Yes. Or people our age came in, got pushed to C level, and fired their fucking yes. ass. Yes, right. Yes. yes. Because LinkedIn is not that anymore at all. 100%. LinkedIn is, in my opinion, Very close to what Facebook was like for you and I when we were growing up right now. Yes. That's what it's like right
2: now. And if you think about it, and I always tell this to people who are like, oh my God, I wonder what made LinkedIn shift. I'm like, look at the timeline of the users. You're talking about a generation who grew up with MySpace and then Facebook and now comprise the largest segment of the workforce. It follows that that authenticity and level of sharing would carry on to now a platform that is relevant to them because we're all in a professional space. Yeah. So millennials got onto the platform and and it altered. And then you would see at the beginning, like any adoptive manner, like people who were on there were like, oh, this is not fans walking out. And you're like, okay. And then they would start being almost like the pariahs and people would be like, shut the fuck up. Like, you don't know what they do for a living. Like uh, my favorite thing was there was a, I, I mean, I could give you 30 examples of this. I see them every day. Um, there was a woman on there and I think she made like bathing suits or something. This is her business. She's doing it really well and posted a photo from their photo shoot of their company of girls in bathing suits. And of course, everybody just loved to go in on that. And um, I just remember somebody saying, did you stop and consider that this is her business? So what do you get to deem professional? If this is her professional pursuit. Shut up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I literally
1: tell people, and this is on any platform. If you don't like what you see, then don't fucking follow me. Right. You you connect like I I very rarely do I connect with people. Yeah. Like if you view my and this is what I this is what I love about LinkedIn by the way. I love when somebody fucking views my profile and we're not connected. Yeah. And they think that I can't fucking see that they looked at my profile. yes why would you be such a creep? Just connect. I know, and be I like, know. "Hey, what's up? Let me know." Yeah, because one of the things that I love that about LinkedIn that I can see, and then I can see, like my competitors in in the areas that we're in, they always do my profile. Yeah, and I love that they do that. I just find it interesting why they're not connecting with me. Oh yeah. So sometimes I'll just connect with them to make them feel super awkward, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it'll go back and like they've blocked me, so they yeah. can't. Right. I'm dead serious. I was gonna
2: ask if they accept the like, Oh no! No,
1: they'll wow. block me. They'll be oh like, "Oh God. shit, he's onto us." You know what I mean? Like, come
2: on, man. I was like, this is crazy. You don't know. But the one
1: thing that I don't like about LinkedIn right now, and I refuse to do it, is I never hard sell in DM. Yeah. And I don't. I don't like the automated. Messaging when you connect with somebody, I don't like that. A lot of my mentors are like all in on it, yeah. And I just don't like it because I like being more like, if we're gonna have a conversation, let's like, hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Like, very, very um, uh, evergreen. Not totally. I don't, I, I don't want the paragraph like this. And in fact, I got one the other day and I blocked the guy because I'm like, I told you on well, my LinkedIn, if you're gonna send me an automated DM. Don't, just don't even bother connecting.
2: Yeah, you know, it's a shame because I think we are to a point now where people are, they're they're really spamming people. And it, to your point, when I see a message come in from somebody I don't know and it's three paragraphs, immediately you're getting a ding in my mind. Yep. And unless I'm reading that and those three paragraphs are why you found my profile so interesting in a very authentic way, I just archive it yep. right away. Yep. Just point blank. It's interesting to me that people think that'll work and sure I'll give it to you that like in the grand numbers game you might get one of a hundred of those responding but you and I both know business is long term relationships nobody wants to start a relationship on that standpoint so I couldn't agree with you more and that's what they're doing They're, they're
1: they get super excited yep and they go in for the sale right away yeah and just don't buy like that. You so know what? Go, no, 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 because you just came on some, you know something that's <laughs> pop in your head, I just saw it.
2: This is like where I go on my pet peeve thing. Yeah. You know what my bigger pet peeve almost is than just trying to sell me something? Because that I'm just like, okay, whatever. My bigger pet peeve is when they go on and on about their product and then they're like, and here's my calendar, Link. Go ahead and schedule a time. I'm like, well, that's audacious. Like you're trying to sell me something and you can't even bother to say, What's, how would Monday at 2 work for you? Is yeah. that, I understand you're busy. You have businesses. How about that? No. And here's a link to my Calendly. I'm like, you smile I know. Like, fuck <laughs> lazy. you. It's lazy. It's lazy. It's so lazy. and fake
1: busy. Exactly. So, you know, being 40, and I talk to my dad all the time. My dad stops by my office. He's 77 years old. Still oh, works. Yeah. Like, yeah. But he stops in my office randomly, right? Mm-hmm. And I have cameras all in our offices and stuff like that, so I can see him walking down the hallway and everything. <laughs> Knock on the door and he'll come in and he'll sit down in my chair and he'll talk to me. He's this guy still sells, he's a salesman, he was in the military for 20 years, but he's a salesman and he sells paving work to big corporations and stuff like that. He gets amped, 77 years old, gets amped on a sale, yeah, or gets amped on how he does it, right? Like what he does. And I taught him how to Google people's names and find people and stuff like that. And he just got like a $6,000 job oh. out of it and stuff like that. And so it's just very interesting, but the reason I bring that up is because we respect, we, we love technology and we love where it's going, but we also respect now the old school ways of, hey, I was just curious, would You want to grab a cup of coffee? I would love to talk to you about some of the things that I see on your side that maybe I could help with. And if it's great, great. If not, then at least we connected. That little bit, I'm way more willing to actually take time and meet with that person. Then you add, then you give them the Academy link and say, you pick what's good for you. Right. I'm wide open. You let yes. me know. Yeah, right? totally. That's the way to approach that. So if anybody out there is doing what Kate said, use that approach. Yes. And I think it will benefit you guys a lot more. Talk to me a little bit about, about LinkedIn because a, a lot of, of my listeners are probably a little confused about how beneficial LinkedIn can actually be for
2: not only an entrepreneur, but actually for the businesses that they work for. Yeah, so I'll start with kind of the backstory of how I fell into LinkedIn, for lack of a better word, and then just really bring it full circle with why people need to be all in on it. So about year two of my business, you know, the first year of starting your business, you're all buzzed up and like, you're excited, you're taking everything that comes your way, you're pumped, you're working 70 hours a week, and you're just like, this is the best, I don't care, this is amazing. And then everybody's sending you referrals and we're all jazzed up on that. Then year two comes. And for me, at least it was this, I need to get strategic with lead generation. Referrals are always the best clients, but you can't look at them and forecast on that. Mm -hmm. You just don't know when they're coming. Right. So I was schlepping around Baltimore, going to networking event after networking event. And I just thought there's gotta be a better way to do this. And I actually, I'm a person that I change because of pain and sometimes I need to exacerbate the pain to myself in order to motivate change. So I sat down with a piece of paper and I make every single student that comes into the LinkedIn Influence Academy run do this. And I mapped out time at coffee meetings, time at in-person meetings, time at networking events. And what I figured out is conservatively per month, I was spending 10 hours a week and that was a light week as you and I know on like events. 10 hours a week or 40 hours a month on business development related activities for a solo consultant, which I was, that was a whole working week of billable hours for me. And I just thought, if I can figure out a way to half this, I'll be a lot better off. And so around that time, somebody said to me, you know, you marketers, you marketers, you're so funny. You love social media, but none of you are doing LinkedIn or doing it well. And again, I'm the kind of person where like the quickest way you can get me to do something is tell me I can't do Mm -hmm. something. I'm just sickly wired that way and so I was like okay and I was at that perfect intersection of desperation and kind of intrigue and a little bit of don't tell me what I can't do I'll get on there and blow it up Mm -hmm. for all I care so I did and I got on LinkedIn and two weeks later a client from Toronto reached out who was launching a curly hair care product and she was like I looked at your stuff on LinkedIn I want to work with you and so I started to go in the pitch and she's like no I don't think you're hearing me I don't need to be told why I should work with you. I want to work with you. Tell me how much it's gonna cost me. We launched the brand and then she blew it out the water. I think it went to a million in revenue in the first year and they got accepted by Y Combinator, who you know incubates companies yep, like yep. Google, Uber, you know, all the fancy ones in Silicon Valley. So all of a sudden it was taking off and then I was at a client photo shoot and I got this email from Fox Business New York. No kidding, I thought it was spam. And it said, "Personal branding expert, quote needed." And I was looking in the subject line. and said, "Hey Kate, we need a personal branding expert. Um, so we wanted to reach out to you." Mariah Carey just totally botched her Christmas or New Year's Eve performance. I forget. This is a couple years. I'm ago. aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember it. Great. There we yeah, go. Everybody was aware except for sadly me. And I was like, "Shit!" Like I'm on this client photo shoot. I can't watch it. I don't want to burn bridges here. So I wrote her back and I was like, "I'm sorry. I know you need this in a timely manner." I won't be able to provide it today. However, please, 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 please. I'm your girl. Call me in the future. I didn't think she would because I didn't give her anything of value. A couple of months later, she reached out. And she was like, hey, the honest company, Jessica Alba, just had another product recall. ruh What does this mean for Jessica Alba's personal brand? What does it mean for the honest company? And I got quoted and then all of a sudden I would get asked about Seth Rogen and the Oscars. I was getting asked about Kendall Jenner and Pepsi. I was getting asked about all these things and then Harvey Weinstein's was on the very tip of that Mm -hmm. before it all really came out and they were like, should the Weinstein company rebrand? And then I kept getting calls and like appearances and clients were just zooming at me at the speed of light. And then one day this guy picked up the phone and called me and said, Hey, I'm about to go on a reality show. I heard you're the person to do my personal brand strategy. We have this great call. I'm like, one more thing. How did you hear about me? He goes, oh, Jessica Alba's personal assistant like gave me your contact information. Right, so I was like, can you give me her contact? Sure, that would be great. Can you just flip that intro back over? But I realized it's all because the way that reporter found me was through LinkedIn and the way all the international clients that started to trickle in that were VC backed was through LinkedIn. Other consultants started to reach out to me and they're like, holy shit, what are you doing? And can you teach us? I thought it was a me thing. I didn't think it was a replicatable thing. I just thought it's my personality. It's my style. It works for me. And um, I took on my first client and did six weeks of coaching and consulting with her. And week two, she sent me an email. and She's like, you got to charge more. And I was charging two grand, which I thought was pretty sweet for a solopreneur. It is. It's not a small amount of money. And she goes, I just got a federal government contract for coaching And I got publicity in a national HR magazine, like what you're doing, you need to take the system and run with it. So I created the Academy, but I bring all that to say, this was two, three years ago is kind of when it started to take off. But right now it is there. Like it is an all out land grab. We are in the heyday of when Instagram was first on and people were establishing influence. When Facebook was first on and people were just going in there and doing the land grab of real estate, you can get More of a following on LinkedIn from zero today, I believe, than if you go in on Instagram right now and try and build that. Agreed. They're setting you up to win. And LinkedIn, this is the other reason you guys need to know that this isn't just a good idea. LinkedIn got acquired by Microsoft. We all know this. A couple years ago, the valuation of the business was $26 billion. So everybody, industry and investor-wise, was like, that's crazy. Why would you spend $26 billion on a platform that traditionally loses money? And Microsoft very smartly said, well, you're looking at it at a face value integration standpoint. We're looking at it at a data standpoint. And of course, data is you and I and the 500 million users that are on there. However, LinkedIn wasn't getting that kind of buy-in other social media platforms are. So what do they have to do, but make people push them to the forefront content creators. So then more people will be on the platform to digest that content. We're all on Instagram because we see our friends, kids, or their." weddings and stuff, LinkedIn didn't have enough content creators, so right now, as it stands today, not exactly on point, but close enough to paint the picture, there's over 500 million LinkedIn users, less than half of them, about 250 million get on once a month, only 3 million are actively creating content, which means less than 1% are getting 9 billion of the views and engagement Mm -hmm. on this platform. Your face should just light up at how much that is poised for you to take off on this platform. It, it's just pure opportunity. Pure opportunity. And they're adjusting the algorithm every day yeah. to keep rising smaller people up. Whoever is using it on a daily basis uh-huh.
1: and is, is is following their rules. And this is kind of another thing. There's so much good stuff that you just said. Yeah. Um, but just little things like when you're uploading things natively to the platform, yes. follow the follow the rules that these platforms are actually telling you. Like when you upload a video now natively to Facebook, it literally has a checklist on the right hand side and says it will perform better if this, this, this YouTube exact same way. Yes. Right? And LinkedIn is getting that way. One of the things that I thought LinkedIn did well within the last maybe year is they started integrating Things from Facebook, Instagram, like sharing emotion um, within a post or a video, right? Like yes. where we can congratulate or we can heart it or we can like it or. Whatever because it they is. don't have a haha. Yeah, well, where is the haha? I think that's coming. Okay. I, I think it's coming but what, what I what I what I like about it is that LinkedIn literally was listening to their users and people were saying, "Man, I wish they had yeah. this." And LinkedIn's like, "But we can do that," and they're doing all of the things that their users want them to do. And a lot of these other platforms just didn't do that. Like Facebook for a very long time started ignoring everyone and saying, yeah, we're just gonna do whatever we feel like doing, right? And and even though Instagram is owned by Facebook, it was kind of the same way, but Instagram's done a good job of that. And I think that's why it has such a great um, hold on an audience. But every single person that is successful on all these other platforms is telling everyone to go to LinkedIn, start a LinkedIn, I don't care what age you are. Yes. And start putting out content immediately on that platform. It's beyond me though. You tell people to do that as a consultant. Mm -hmm. And then they don't listen. They don't do it. Right. Why is that?
2: You know, I think with...
1: Why, my, why do we lead them to the water yeah and what then and we show them and we're drinking from that water as well. we're leading them there and saying yeah. drink from the water it's good yep and they don't want to drink from the water yeah
2: so I think immediate gratification if they don't see it very quickly can leave them unfortunately feeling disappointed but one of my favorite quotes is the rarest of all human qualities is consistency and you and I both know for any social media platform like it is a consistent play. And I do this, well, I, no kidding, Todd, okay, so I do this webinar as a funnel, right, to sell the online course, it's part of it, and I give them probably everything that they need to know, everything they need to know on that webinar, as most webinars do, and then I say, just go and do this for 30 days, just do it for 30 days straight, that's how long you'll, that's the tipping point, you'll start to see it take off, and then I tell them, and you won't do it. And you're not going to do it because the rarest of all human qualities is consistency. And I was on the phone or presenting at a group of accountants and the guy was like, this is all well and good, but you know, I don't even have enough time in the day to do this. I'm like, that's a lie. Do you have enough time in the day to check the WSJ in the morning? Do you have enough time in the day to check your email? Then you have enough time to get on LinkedIn and spend, no kidding, 15 minutes for 30 days straight doing it. You're just not prioritizing it as the business generating activity it can be. And if you're not prioritizing it as such, there's two things happening. You're probably not using the right tactics, but before that your messaging is probably off. And that's what I think so much of the success that our students experience on the platform is because 50% of the program is getting your avatar right and getting your messaging right and getting your authentic voice right. Everything else is like tactical, but 50% is that brand foundational work and most people still don't know what their unique selling proposition is they don't know exactly what they're helping really what they're helping with their customer they just they can't figure it out they spin their wheels on social and they're like it's not working for me and like well there's a reason it's funny because uh, I don't really feel like I sell
1: at all on any of my social media platforms and that's by design yeah Um, and it's what's even more interesting is that every single person I talk to when they talk to me and even if they follow my Instagram they literally say what do you do again? I mean every single time. Yeah. And I'm like it's in my bio. Like <laughs> yeah. if you want to buy something or yeah. you want to talk just click that link if you wanna- right. But most of the stuff that I put out is, is I mean quite literally is not selling unless it's something where I show and I have proof and evidence that this is really working and helping somebody and that other people should hear about it yes. And I do it. But I typically only do that stuff in my stories. Yep. What I find on LinkedIn, especially from some of these professional people, is they take, they, they don't create their own content. Where mm-hmm. in LinkedIn, you have the ability to write your own articles and yep. publish your own articles within LinkedIn. And a really good little tip is if you do that, you can be picked up by a national magazine. The minute you get picked up by a Forbes, well, I'm telling you right now, I just popped her head again. If you get picked up by that, When all these people out here that are sitting here saying, why can't I get verified on Instagram? The minute you get picked up on that and and a Wikipedia page picks that up as well, you apply for verification on LinkedIn or Twitter or anybody else, like that, you'll be verified. So that's your hack to
2: get verified on LinkedIn the right way. That's how you get done. i am picked up, so sorry. It is what it is. I'm so glad you said that because I publish an article weekly. Writing is a great love of mine. I've always been a fan of it. It's been really cathartic for me as I build my business to – share my kind of foibles and learning lessons along the way in almost like a business diary and just like, here, learn from what I didn't do well. And I release that every week to my audience. And somebody said, and some LinkedIn experts said, and I understand what they were saying yesterday. They jumped in the comment section like, this is really great, but status posts still perform better than articles. I'm like, well, A, I wasn't insinuating that they weren't. And everything in context. If you're looking at engagement and reach level, yeah, status posts can go viral like this on LinkedIn faster than any other platform. However, if you're looking for credibility and thought leadership and an opportunity to be picked up and seen as an expert resource, which is what a lot of my students are after, long form article generation is the way to do it. So you, it's not apples to apples here. And it, really, it doesn't annoy me when people say that. I'm just like, you need to know what tactics work for establishing what part of your personal brand status posts will get you visibility. It'll get you consistency. People will start to associate your name with what you do. Long form will get you credibility. And because of where it's housed on your profile, I still have articles from like three, four years ago where people are like, amazing, brilliant. This is incredible where the status posts, they're long gone. Well,
1: people don't realize, too, like, I get uh, Social Media Today pops up in my Facebook feed all the time, and one of the reasons that I follow it is because I laugh at the articles that I read, because I am I read those articles, and I go, how did this person get their, Get that article published on <laughs> Social Media Today? I was like, I can read so much better than yeah. that, and my own self, I'll go, why, why, why did I not do that? Why didn't I write an article on that topic, and yeah. literally send it to them, or... Screenshot that article, write a better article on that same topic, and send it back to them and say, This article, I like that article, but this article goes way more in depth yes. on this particular topic. What do you guys think about publishing this? You'd be surprised actually sending that to somebody. Um, somebody will walk it up upstairs to an editor and they'll give it to them and be like, You know what? Yeah. And that's how one of the nightclub the and bar um, uh, thing that goes on in Vegas. I got asked to speak out there last year, and I got asked to come back this year for main stage. And then when they went and they read my blogs, they said, would you please start contributing blogs to us so we can reshare and do that from that standpoint? And I was like, absolutely. Like, I would love to do that. So so, When those opportunities come along um, and you get those opportunities to be published as an author on... Your thoughts, Yep, you've got to take those
2: opportunities. You cannot just not do that. That's no. so stupid. Well, and here's the thing, too, and I love people to remind people of this 94.2, 94.2, we'll say that again, of the press rate LinkedIn as their go to place to find experts and connect. Yeah.
1: I mean, come and on. Twitter for news? Twitter for news. I mean, most, most, most of those people go to Twitter to grab news yeah. stories, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then LinkedIn for
2: connections in, in specific professions. Totally. Okay. Yes, yes. So Got Twitter it. for news, and then they're looking for expert commentators. To, that's exactly how Fox Business found me. Yeah. I asked her point blank, Jade, how did you find me? She was like, well, you were just popping up all over my LinkedIn feed. The second I saw something, just totally eat it on their personal brand. Yeah. I, it was like, you're right there in front of me. I love that you asked that question. Yeah. Because I don't
1: hear it enough how did you hear about me? I, I, I really think anytime you get introduced by anybody, especially if it's from an, a phone standpoint, yes. right? Or an email standpoint yes. where it's kind of where you're like, I don't know how this happened unless yeah. they're introducing a relationship of how we connected. Like, you introduced me to Mike, yes. but I know how that happened, right? Yeah. But if it's someone that you've never met before, always ask that question because it's also going to give you an idea of, if, we, if you keep hearing the same thing over and over again, like if I keep hearing, I found you on Google, found you on Google, found you on Google, that's kind of like a heads up to me that I should be running
2: Google
1: ads. 100%. But if you start hearing a lot of the times, I just see your stuff on LinkedIn and LinkedIn and LinkedIn and LinkedIn, then you need to start contributing more to that platform, right? Yes. What do you think about, because I'm interested in this right now because I do it. What do you think, one, about paying for premium for LinkedIn? Yeah. And two... What do you think about running ads on LinkedIn as not only a solopreneur, personal brand,
2: but as a business? It's a great question. Uh, So number one, premium. I think most people probably don't need it. Um, It's expensive. I mean, the, I think cheapest version is like 60 bucks a month. You get a little bit more metrics. For me, I do it. I run a course about this. I run a program about this. This is my lifeblood. I, I have premium and sales navigator. I do not because again, I don't approach LinkedIn as a salesperson would. I approach LinkedIn as a thought leader would. Mm-hmm. And so for me, premium was f- premium provides me the insights to make sure my message is right. I'm going to keep coming back to messaging because that's the thing. Nobody, if they're if not seeing success on social media, your messaging is off. It's not aligned with your target market. So for me, I'm obsessed with every time I post a status post or long form content, or my, my profile, I look at the stats of the breakdown of who's looking at it. And the thing I love about LinkedIn is it will tell me every single time, the majority of people that look at it are salespeople because it's the majority of people on LinkedIn. However, the next top three consistently now for the last two years that look at my content are executive director, founder, business consultant. And those are my sweet spot. So the second that I start seeing that that is not who's in the top three, I know the messaging is off. it is. The best platform to echo back to you if your messaging is hitting with your target audience because it tells you exactly where they're at. It tells you exactly who they are and what positions they're in and what companies they work for. I started to see different companies like EY looking at my stuff and I was like, if I wanted to, I don't. I could go sell EY probably. be like, hey, I know. Yeah. Sandy, Martha, and John have been looking at my stuff. Let's talk about a personal branding workshop. Yeah so much better of a pitch or like a warm introduction. So a premium does give you more of those peeks into it. The second thing that you were talking about was running ads. And admittedly, because I'm not consulting businesses anymore on LinkedIn, I'm probably not as sharp on this as I should be. And two years ago when we were running ads, we still found them to be incredibly expensive. And the ad format still wasn't there in a way that Facebook ads were letting you do Video and more in depth things, Mm -hmm. and even the length of character count where you were getting those personable ads that didn't feel super corporate and you know, shutter stocky, right? They might have altered that, and I think they smartly are altering that. They 100% have, yeah, Yeah. okay, good, good, good. Um, so in that case, yeah, I think that people should be testing them. To be quite honest, the reason I'm sitting here saying I don't know a lot about it is because our students. Are getting so much business so fast off their personal pages that a lot of them have the opposite problem. They're like, I think I need to hire people. I need to turn the, the faucet off. Wow. Yeah, I so there's this guy. I have to tell the story. He is incredible. So he was a former Marine, and then got his CPA and started an accounting firm. He is one of those dynamic personalities. And no offense to accountants, I work with a lot of them and I love them. A- atypical for an accountant, perhaps. But his whole model is like, we got your six, you know, like he meshes the Marine thing into sure. the accounting thing and he's a back tax expert. So if you're screwed with the IRS and you owe them money, he's the guy that comes in and cleans that up and like the fixer of your taxes. And I was like, oh dude, like you're going to blow the hinges off of LinkedIn. Nobody is really positioning themselves and capitalizing on this market. See, so yeah, here's the thing. I don't have a LinkedIn page and I've never been on social media. And I was like, okay, not a problem. Three weeks in, he sends me an email and he's like, I just closed a $9,000 deal. Like, thank you. I have the weekend now to go spend with my kids. I'm not working as hard. For me, this is like, I get to live more of my values. And then we were talking a couple weeks ago. He's like, I'm about to go through the academy again. Sorry, I had to turn it off. I could not keep up with the level of influx that was coming from this platform. I need to hire somebody and figure out how to scale it. This is a guy that his story, not mine, was in his later 40s or mid-40s and didn't get social media and um, had never been on a social media platform before, three weeks in, closing $9,000 deals, months in saying, I got to turn the funnel off, it's too much. I need to just take a step back and figure out how I'm going to scale so I'm not disappointing any of these clients. Yeah, and so if
1: any of you are struggling with LinkedIn right now, then she's got the cure for that. I remember you telling me a story about you launched it and then there was like there was a little bit of like in the very beginning when you launched it yeah like there were like haters and the, there were some haters in the comments or something like that I can't remember what we're talking <laughs> about and you handled them so well right I think they were like don't I don't even know if it was like don't post this here or whatever. it might have been from the LinkedIn like the old school linkedin days when you first yeah. launched it right yeah. you launched it like two years ago yeah but I remember you screenshotted it and you shared it and I think you shared it on instagram and just it just showed me your confidence level and belief in what you created, and I'll, I get a lot of those all the time where it's like I'm not doing this because I'm real, I'm scared I'll have that level of I'm a fraud you know yeah. like I'm putting it out there and it doesn't work and yeah, yeah. Like that. and I remember you screenshotted and shared this I, I wanted to share that with this episode because you, you created what you used to make yourself successful and then you took it and you shared it as a revenue stream for yourself as your business to help other people succeed. And you have people that are believing testimony saying it's so good that I'm overwhelmed with what I'm dealing with right now. So what do you do now from that standpoint? Like when these people are telling you, does that almost pop in your brain another idea where there, see so, you now you're smiling. Again. <laughs> where they're saying, "I'm I'm overwhelmed." Do you help now figure out a way to help them scale that so they can, yeah, do it?
2: We deal with a lot of I'll say this passionate practitioners who they're not sales They're just really fucking good at what they okay. do, and they they are they know it, and they're experienced at it. And like everything, I got to this point where I didn't want to have an agency. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to become a paid expert. Like that was going to be my jam. I was going to get paid to speak. I was going to get paid to create courses. I was, that's the business model I wanted to pursue. And now I was dealing with those problems too. So we're looking at other offerings where hiring the VA is making sure the VAs take care of it, right. how to scale the brand in a way that isn't diluting anything. If you want to go the paid expert route, how to do that. If you want to go the, now you're expanding your accounting firm route, how to do that. Um, so yes, every, like I said, with the article writing being cathartic, it's almost like everything that I do, I figure out, Hey, how can I show this? Cause more, if it works, more people need to hear about right, it. Right. right. And then what is the appropriate model look like? So in 2020, we actually, because we were hearing from some of the academy students who have s- several businesses, this is great. And I want more of you. So we listened to the market and we're like, okay, we're about to launch this coaching program. It's personal brand advising very high level like I'm going you know shoulder to shoulder with them and it's a ten thousand dollar program we're only gonna accept twelve people into it for the right person it's gonna be great but that wasn't like oh I want to make hundred and twenty thousand next year that was because I kept hearing and hearing they needed more and I was like well I'd be a fool not to serve my market up exactly what they're asking me for. Sure. Well, always and this is exactly how I launched the course. Get an audience, find out what they need, and then build and sell them that thing. Or, first of all, never mind, important context shift sell and then build the thing. Right. I sold the course before I ever built the course. So, for me, financial validation is way better than, yeah, that's a great idea, Kate. No, I want you to pay with your wallet because I know that then you really value what it is I'm gonna teach. And then I built the course week by week because then I had to deliver. Well, I've got paid clients. Now i got to get it
1: together. And it's great having a course because it's passive income. And Nick and and I did the same thing with Reputation Domination because we had people, we had other agency clients that were killing us on the phone constantly saying, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? And we finally were like, dude, forget this. Let's just make a course. And when they hit us up, Let's just send them the link. And if they want to pay for the course, they got the course. If they yes. don't want to pay for the course, then they're on their own. They're going to have to figure it out on their own. Yes. And that was great for us because what it did is it created a passive income outlet. At the same time, it also cut down on the time where I felt like I wasn't helping people or answering DMs or or, yes. or, or, or trying to help people go along when I would give them advice. But at the same time, I'd be like, I should have told them this too that's why we created that course. Yes. So you're absolutely right. And, and um, it's, it's now the course is almost like a defense mechanism as well where it's like, I can tell when someone's asking me questions and I'm like, and they'll, but they'll, they'll continue to ask me questions yeah. and we will get to the point where it's like once a week they're asking me questions and I'm not a paid client. Yes. And then finally I have to go, but like, look, man, like you gotta, like, if we're going to take this to the next level, like you've got to commit to it, you've got to pay me something. So, totally. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of already there and that actually piqued my interest about the uh, deep dive in personal branding because I get that a lot too, right? It's like everybody has, everybody wants to create like this personal brand. Yeah. And it's, interestingly enough, when I created mine, I created mine like, probably two years ago or whatever. The only reason I created it was because my business partner who's my best friend was like, you should create a personal brand. Like, you should just start like, like I wasn't on personal on Facebook. Yeah. Like, I was, and, and I, Quite honestly, I'm I'm an introvert. You wouldn't think that. I wouldn't. <laughs> I yeah. I like suffer from like sexual anxiety. Sure. Like suffer from it. Like yeah. I was at the Orioles game last night. I was like, it was brutal. Yeah. Like I'm like I can't be around this many people. Actually, wasn't that many people. Yeah. Yeah, people, but, yeah. Yeah. I'm like I don't like going to I, like I don't like going to concerts. Like I don't like being around a lot of people. Yeah. And so it's just how I am. But then like if I'm talking about something that I'm interested in or I'm helping other people, I don't mind being around a lot of people. Yeah. So it's I'm wired. It's very weird. I'm wired differently than everybody else. So I didn't want to be like public on social media, but then I just like flipped that switch. And when I flipped that switch, it goes back to that first post that I made on LinkedIn. And then I started kind of outlaying myself to the other avenues and and seeing the success there. And and really what I was, from that success standpoint, was hearing what other people were saying to me that I was helping them. Either that post helped me a lot and things like that. So that's why I shifted it. But then I asked my audience, I my audience, what do you want to see more of? Yes. And my audience kept saying, we want to see more motivational stuff. We want to hear this stuff, this stuff, this stuff. And I'm like, what about the social media, digital marketing stuff? And they're like, eh, not really. It was like 20% of the market. Yeah. So I said, fine, I'll, I'll leverage 80% of my audience. I'll give them the motivational shit. And then 20% of my audience is still going to get the social media, digital marketing tips and things of that nature. They're going to get that. So yeah, it struggles a little bit. And on LinkedIn, I think my messaging, might and this is my ego talking because I don't have a huge You think I might, but I don't. My LinkedIn, my messaging might be off. Now that I think about it, my messaging might be
2: off. Could be. It, yeah. be, off. Could be. It's, yeah. it's the first place you should look if you're not experiencing success on LinkedIn. I always tell people that. Look at the, look at the post. See if your target client is looking at the post. If not, 9 out of 10 is the messaging is yeah. off. Yeah. yeah.
1: Maybe I'll have to take a look at it because yeah. I need to do that. Let's... Um, Let's talk about, because we were talking about premium, which I really, really like. I pay for premium just because I like seeing people. Checking you out. I want to see who the fuck (laughs) is looking at my
2: profile. Totally.
1: I'm totally cool about that. I I love how creepy LinkedIn is. I I agree 100%. (laughs) So uh, we talked about growing ourselves. We talked about scaling a business because that's kind of like what we did. And we had to scale too. Like we we 100% did. Because our clients like the reputation management side but then they kept saying like what about social media yep. what about this what about that and we had to really like three four years ago we had to scale like to a certain point where we just were like we're full on digital agency yes if you need something we got it you yep. want video you want photos you want a website you want that like we do it all right and so we've been able to do that um one of the sales portions of it which i think you also do is we don't typically sell anything we so we let our clients testimonials sell for us in a yep. video format, yep. where people see familiar people that are around saying we're good at what we do. Yes. I find that is the easiest way to generate leads nowadays. Yep. Would you agree with that? One hundred percent.
2: Yeah. I mean, the academy. Look, I will probably have three sales calls about the academy a week. I'm pretty good at closing. I usually close two out of three of them. Um, That's good. Yeah. (laughs) And, and they all come from just me posting before and afters of people's metrics in my Instagram story. I mean, that's it. I I say nothing about the Academy. None of it's a hard pitch that has consistently delivered more revenue for my online course than doing like webinars and and funnels. Yeah. I do very specific in times launches and that's a really nice, like large flash in the pan income wise, but I mean, yeah, there's no hard sells. In Most of the community is just propagating itself now. Like here, they self-refer. We have a referral system for it. Yeah. I mean, testimonials for are you, sure. Are you doing a lot of, you're doing a lot of speaking events too, I right? I like yeah. I feel like you've always done that. Like yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that was actually before I even started my business. When I was in corporate America, I would just, people love to hear from people who are in corporate and not necessarily selling something, but right. you're on the client end of it. And I was not shy about speaking i enjoy doing it and so i just started to get out there so pretty young i think i was like 23 when i started speaking at the bbj social series from the client side of like this is what we're dealing with as a large company who's expanding nationwide this is what you need to know about managing the brand as I, i mean that's the one thing that's kind of started moving forward with me especially in 2019
1: um Put a lot of effort into that. Yes, and it started. It's now paying dividends where people are paying me to come. Yes, and speak. And I don't think I'm being. I think I'm being. In fact, one of the people that is actually helping me run that is like you're. You're not charging enough money. Yeah, like you're not. And I'm like, I know, but I don't feel like I. I would much rather take one more, right, and not. Say no to someone because they're not willing to pay this much money. I'm paying, I'll, I'll let you pay this. And so that's it. I do that stuff all the time. That's yeah. one of my downfalls Yeah, where I definitely don't charge
2: enough for what I do. Yeah. I do not. It's interesting with speaking. And I always say this because a lot of the people, again, that come through the program, they're looking to become thought leaders. And we always say, okay, how much money are you generating through speaking? Oh, well, not really anything. You're like, why? If you're a paid expert, that should be a lucrative revenue stream for you. And I was on the phone one day with a huge conference that wanted me to come speak about branding. It was like for, I don't know, but it was going to be 500 to a thousand people. And I said, okay, well, you know, if you want me to come speak and I'm talking about a a long conference, it's going to be $5,000. And the guy on the other end, this is what he said to me. Wow. Can't wait for a job where I get paid $5,000 to come and speak. And I was like, okay, sir, let me just really lay this out for you. I am a consultant. You're asking me to give up eight hours of that day to come. You're asking me to create, because I will, because I always deliver to audiences, a speech that's going to resonate with your audience, which will take me, because I'm a professional try-hard, probably I eight hours. You say try hard. <laughs> I so love try-hard. All, all of my followers that play Fortnite right now will
1: know that Kate just dropped try-hard. We can make that into a gift, by the way. Watch TJ make that into a gift. she'd like,
2: try-hard, try-hard, try-hard. I am. I just, I am. So I'm going to, I'm going to, sh- I could spend eight. I'll probably spend 20 making the speech. Then you want me to travel. Then you want me to tell my clients I'm not a fit, you know, like all these things. I'm like, so let me ask you d- now when I frame it like that, how's $5,000 sounding expensive or like a fucking bargain? And I, and then they just thought it was, they were like, well, really? We were hoping 2,500. That's perfect. I'm not your girl. And I wasn't only because I wasn't interested in, um, taking on their clients. They weren't my perfect client yeah. avatar. They were like large industrious businesses. I didn't have an offering. I didn't feel like making an offering just for oh. that. Having said that, had it have been a room full of accountants, attorneys and HR consultants all day, I would have been like, don't pay me anything. I know I'll sell the course and I'll make $30,000 if I do it right. Can I ask you a question?
1: If he would have approached you differently, mm-hmm. cause I know this probably isn't true. If he would have approached you differently, said, Hey, listen kid, we love what you do. This mm-hmm. and everything else and said We only have a budget of twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. But we would love to also help with your flight and your stay, and things of that nature.
2: Is this something that you would consider? you
1: said yes. I would have. I guarantee, I knew I would have. I would have. That and dude's approach, he blew it. He totally approach. did. And
2: the thing too, for, and this is not to get into this whole thing, but like my mansplaining alarm. By the
1: alarm,
2: way, $5,000 for <laughs> My like mansplaining alarm is always going off. Yeah. It's just like female. You, you sometimes look for that and you're like, you're going to tell me that like, I'm not worth the rates I'm charging. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And, how, having said that, I never burn bridges, so I politely just said that I don't think I'm the the best fit. And I referred them, with the <laughs> goodness of my heart, three other speakers who I thought would be, but you're absolutely right. Oh, yeah, hey, thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> thanks
1: for, I just to put that out. Thank you for
2: referring them to me. This is years ago, I don't even think we knew each other. But yeah, I, I, had he have said that, I for sure would have tried to find a way to make it work. 100%. And I, and I, and I do the exact same thing. Yeah. It's how. It's how
1: masked or how I'm treated or or if that's a person that's you know um maybe already a paying client yeah right if they're already a paying client like sometimes I'll cut them a deal and stuff like that so I mean yeah I just it's it's it, it was a struggle for me to start charging but now I have no problem with it yeah um, and it really only happened because other people said to me how much is it for you to come speak yes So I knew that it
2: was time when other people were saying to me, how much is it? I was like, oh, all right, it's time. Well, this is the thing too, and you know this as well as I do. We were selling the Academy online for 747, right? I started working with the founder of Easy Webinar, Casey Zeman and his team. And they were like, I ran them through everything that was in the course. They looked at the course, they were like, why are you selling this for 747? And I was like, "Eh, eh, like, people convert on sevens, a 50 decibel is under a thousand. I can flip it online. They're like, no, you need to double this. And I was like, okay, should I add in more bonuses? They're like, no, you need to double this and remove the bonuses you have in there. You're giving away too much. And I was just like, God, I feel like the conversion rate is going to go down. I doubled the price of the course. I removed bonuses from the course and the conversion rate went up. Because people value something as much as you're gonna allow them to value it and we got more serious students and students that were performing more. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, by you increasing
1: your pricing, you got quality. Yes. So basically you're Apple.
2: Yes. There it is. We're it's done not here. rocket science, guys. There's a reason
1: why Apple and Nike and every yeah. and these companies are stand where they stand. You're you guys don't you guys devalue. A lot of people devalue what their worth is yes. out of fear. Hundred percent. And that's really what you were at that point. That's kind of what you're doing. You were like, dude, I don't know. Like, this is my first webinar. I've never done this before. Yes. Seven forty-seven. From a psychological sales standpoint, that makes sense to me. It's gonna, it's gonna skew with my audience. My audience probably has a budget of seven forty-seven that they're willing to, to get away with. But at the time now, you're working with quality people. Yes. That say, oh no, she, this girl is what she's talking about. Yeah. I'll easily give her fourteen hundred dollars to learn all to get
2: all her secrets. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Opposite problem now. I have like big like bonafide fide like serial entrepreneurs come in and they're like why is this fifteen hundred dollars you need to go up again yeah it's great and yeah. they start they just start like is it rog so they're referring themselves yeah, yeah the yeah. audience if I told good. you
1: what we charge our clients for our services yeah you would be like Todd you're a fucking idiot yeah <laughs> I'm dead serious yeah. yeah and my business partner tells me yes that I'm a fucking idiot yeah for our pricing structure and um for some the reason that I have it set where it is is because there's nobody else doing it, yep. and because I did it that way and mm-hmm. stuck to my guns, like we're no contract. Yeah, our, our entire agency is built on no contract yep. at all. Yeah, and people think that I'm an idiot for doing that, and in reality, when I did that, made that decision six years ago, it's it's doubled my business because of that because I let the performance be talked right so. You got it, absolutely. And and does that
2: devalue the machine? I have no idea. I don't really care. I think it shows the confidence level. Like We're so confident in what we do that if you guys don't see it, and I say the same thing, we have a 30-day return policy, I've never had to enact it, if you do the work and you show me you've done the work, well, I I don't even say I put it in a holding account for 30 days, it's your money, it's not my money. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's the deal. And again, nine times out of ten, they're like, oh, okay, and I'm like, yeah, so what's a new client worth to you? $10,000? Great. So, we've already established the ROI of this, and if you don't see it in 30 days, no problem yeah I'll give it back to you R- reporting on an investment is the key yeah nowadays and that is I think one of
1: the issues that people are having from an advertising standpoint I mean we're not going to go too deep into it but I have a lot of clients that are performing in an omni-channel and they're they have, they have no way of reporting on their, the investment that they put out um, in, in the revenue that they've generated from it or where it's coming from or who called or where it's from but they have yeah. no way of doing that um, and the old the old regimes are getting pushed out by some of these younger people. Understanding, I'm not against TV commercials. Yeah. I'm not against
2: radio stations. I'm not against. I'm not against any of those people. I'm just like
1: show me the numbers, though.
2: Yes, you know. I also love what you say about this because I think with anything traditional media. So when I started my business, I was working with THB Towson Haweigle. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, did their yeah, rebrands, yeah. and um, we and it, the, their founders. I totally give Tony Tony the credit for this. He um. He just got it. So they would make, like, billboards or something, not cheap media investments yeah. or radio ads. First of all, I'd always think them at the forefront of it because they have that, like, Italian accent and everybody loves them and it's like Taos and they And Like, they're, they're very likable, <laughs> attractive people, yeah, if yeah. we're being honest. And so we... It, Everything they would do they would get like a billboard or something and then they would all go take a picture of themselves Next to the billboard and just blast it on social media and email and just act like the it was the world's most exciting thing yeah. That we got this billboard the whole time We knew <laughs> that they're paying for it, but like their channels went nuts for it They're like you guys are exploding you're yeah. everywhere and yeah. they were just so great about that and the other one I love that's what is the one is a big boys with the yellow freaking pen yellow and pink pen oh that's big boys' uh, big Box. Boy okay yeah. so this is what i always tell people like you just have to look at the angle for any traditional play promo items we could all say you get them they're cheap you throw them out these dumb pens but what they did so brilliantly like the pen was the thing they then started marketing so they would get cars with a giant pen on the top right. because that became their shtick and yeah. so whether it's a billboard or a radio ad or a very annoying bright yellow pen, if you actually flip that as, that's the newsworthy thing, and then we're gonna blast that out on social, people are like, amazing, good yeah. for you. Like, there's Halloween costumes now that big boy's bail bonds pen. I think it's fucking brilliant whoever thought of that. Dude, it's so smart, and that's one of the, most people don't realize it's, it's the
1: smallest things yes. that end up being the most important things if that makes sense. Yes, yes. Um, as we teeter into uh, the end, I want to start talking, because I always do this to all of the people that come on the show. I ask them two questions and they have to give me six answers. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the first question is always the easiest one. And this is the one I feel like everybody always gets to, to out <laughs> So, I want to deep dive into my two questions, six answers. Yes. Yeah. Which is like my, my favorite thing to do because yes. I get to turn it into a blog. Because you were talking about writing articles. Yeah. And that's what I like to do too. Service so, that content. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the first question is always typically the same question because most of the people that I have on my show have a really either a really good following on social media or they just get it. And it doesn't necessarily one channel, they there's usually one channel, they're always kicking ass on, right? Yes. We know that you already a kick ass on LinkedIn. But give me, give me three tips that you use from a social media standpoint yourself. It could be a mobile app, it could be um, just some context behind. Uh, Just a little quick sample of what you get in the Academy. Mm -hmm, Something mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. That might pique somebody's interest they've never talked about before.
2: Yes. So I've actually never talked about this before. Um, I might have written about it, but we usually withhold it from, from people. The first thing is, if you are afraid or if your mind goes blank when you go to create content, and that's everybody's biggest thing, right? It's like, and I don't know what to talk about. I'm like, here's the thing just come up with the top 10 questions people ask you, even if they're about your story, not even about your business, but the top 10 questions people ask you about your business or clients ask you and then write out answers to those. However, when you're writing out answers, don't get all technical, write it to your mother or your father, or if you you know your brother or your friend, whoever is close in your life. And the reason I, I have them write it as a letter, um, because usually the second we frame it and talking to our friends, all of that expert level language that we don't even realize we're doing because we do what we do on a day in and day out basis becomes familiar. It becomes easier to digest and it becomes easier to follow. So I think a lot of people sit down and they're like, now it is corporate marketing time and the video or the content needs to look perfectly polished and you and i both know it's quite the opposite that actually generates really well so start with the 10 write as a letter and then running run it through the hemingway app so the hemingway app is this thing online where you put content in there and then it brings it down to a sixth grade reading level And people are like, "No, I went to college. My clients are going to be so offended. This is unprofessional. Oh my goodness, millennials, they ruined the English language. But the reality is the majority of adults in America read at a ninth grade level. And most people prefer to read two grade levels below what their reading level is. So most mass marketed novels are written on a seventh grade level. If you're writing above a seventh grade level, uh, level, a publisher is going to tell you, we're getting a little dangerous here. So you always want to check your voice and how, I call it the expert gap, like close that expert gap, start by writing it to a friend or a family member, and then get your best check through the Hemingway app. It's going to make your content super digestible.
1: This makes a lot of sense because uh, My Side of the Mountain is my favorite book. Yeah. And like, I think it's like only one of two books that I've ever read. and It's literally probably a third grade level book. So. Yeah.
2: I mean listen my But you're friends, absolutely right People love Who Move My Cheese People love like The alchemists. They're like 90 page like parables That are super easy to follow I mean we want content We want it like this Nobody wants to read a dissertation On whatever you're, it is that you speak on I inadvertently distribute my content like that. Yeah. Not by, not by, not design. by design. No, I'm just, I'm just I know, telling
1: you, yeah, I, just, yeah. I literally distribute my content.
2: Like, yes. Like a third grader would distribute content. But that's the brilliance of your social media. A lot of people get themselves in the opposite trouble. They, they do. They're like, now it's a professional hat. I have to perform. It's my personal brand. Yeah. So they start speaking this corporate year, perfectly polished thing. And you and I both know again, you don't do it by design. You do it wonderfully, naturally. But some people, a lot of times, I just have to walk them back. I'm like, you're talking to your kid here. Yeah. You're talking to your kid about taxes. You're talking to your kid about compounded interest. Yes. Explain it like you would to your third grader. That right there is how I would explain it to real estate agents, how real estate
1: agents are currently doing right now because I'm working with a lot of real estate agents. They're, they're explaining, and mortgage brokers and stuff like that, these guys are explaining shit. They're, none of us understand it. Not, not one of us understand
2: one thing that they're saying at all. And think about it. Just by virtue of how frequently, not to go on the real estate kick, you're buying a house, you're never going to get the opportunities to understand it better. They're always going to be dealing with somebody who's only made their second or third at most transaction yep. in their life. So it's not even like taxes. I'll always give it to accountants. At least that's coming up year by year by year. Exactly. Real estate agents, forget about it. You're always either going to be dealing with a first or maybe third time home buyer.
1: So no question about it. Yeah. So the Hemingway app. If you guys didn't hear that, download that. Yes.
2: Second tip. Second tip. I always, and I, I don't know if this is particularly novel or revolutionary, but it was for me. When I'm in a content stuck point, I film myself and then I just send it off to rev.com and get the thing captioned or transcribed. And then I'll either take the transcription and I'll make it a long form post or I'll take the captions and I'll just put the video up. So videos performing on like it's, you know, this guy's, I mean, there's a reason I asked him to do this in person. So a videographer could be here <laughs> because video performs, but a lot of people aren't taking it a step further and then just paying somebody to transcribe it. They're thinking, okay, now I have this flash in the pan content. You said it wonderfully, you're turning this into a blog post, but then they think, oh, I don't have somebody on staff to do it. No, there's virtual assistants who will transcribe the video or there's apps who will literally transcribe and caption the video. So if you're not making use of either something like assistant match or Fiverr or rev.com to create your content, do that, film yourself. Because again, you speak much more conversationally and in a way that's easier to understand than you write. So just start banging out videos. That's you need to do it. hundred percent. And that is exactly what is going to happen. I mean, I talk
1: about Rev all the time. Uh, at the end of this ending part of this podcast yep. literally will get shrunk down this audio will get sent to rev uh within like 25 minutes yeah i get a file back it's got everything in i can then take that like you just said i'm gonna do this though i'm gonna try this typically what i'll do is i'll take the the context and then i'll write the blog all yep. the context but i'm gonna put it in the heavyweight app and see what it comes out to and interestingly enough it'll probably come out to a lot of uh punctuation and misspellings like i
2: most of my life. Yeah, but it'll, it's great. It's like, <laughs> like it'll actually tell you, like, remove semicolons. This is too complex. Yeah. But I love it. I'm like, amazing. Yeah. I feel smart every time I get I put totally it in called there. out all the time. They're yeah. Like, like, friends of mine,
1: right? They'll be like,
2: oh, you put uh, then, then. And I'm like, fuck you. You know, grammar Nazis are real. I appreciate it. I love the English language. It's my, <laughs> yeah, exactly. my grammar. Yeah. It's my grammar. And like best. a bunch of people that watch out my shit and
1: they're like, switch hand. I'm like, no, nah, keeping that N in there just to piss you off. Right. All right. That was a great one too. Um, And then tip number three from a social media standpoint.
2: Tip number three, I'll say this. I say it about LinkedIn, but it's transferable to every social media platform. If your intention is to curate an audience or specifically to get clients, your profile should be nothing about you and everything about them. I get a lot of pushback on this, especially on LinkedIn. They're like, it's a professional platform. It is set up in a way to show my past experiences. I'm like, that's great. The reason my profile converts before people even get on the phone with me is that I look at the LinkedIn profile as a sales page. And if guns to my head tomorrow, somebody said, choose your website or choose your LinkedIn profile, I would say, screw the website. I don't need it because the profile is actually structured in such a sales page way, like one big sales page that I'm... Basically, having a duplicate of my website on a place where people are already fishing. They don't need to break and then go to the website. So, look at any property that you have. And I just did a LinkedIn profile overhaul with a gentleman out of California, and he really got it. But his whole about section, we just made questions about his clients. Like, why is it so hard to design winning teams? Why is it that you can't align your business strategy with your people strategy? What is the top four out of five challenges CEOs face. In this case, it was people problems. And most people, when I reveal the profile, they're like, but wait, it says nothing about me. I'm like, your content will say everything about you. You'll start showing up on videos. They'll get a feel for your flavor, for your voice, for your tone. But that mainstay thing that people then get breadcrumbed back to, to find out more, that should actually be about them, not about you. And that's why I always say the messaging is usually all for people if they're not seeing those conversions... Because if you've got people and they're seeing your content, they're like, he's a likable guy. And then they're coming to your LinkedIn profile and it's just more about you. Forget about it. They've already seen you in the feed. Now is the time where you pivot and you're like, hey, <laughs> like, are you getting three star or less Yelp reviews? That's the What do and then here's your biggest problems. And then here's the guide and here's how to solve it. And here's how you can schedule an appointment nothing about you. Oh, and by the way, here's four case studies about how we flip that to 90%. She just gave me free advice, because she probably read my about page.
1: i do not but I just think it looks cool. Report it. Um, she probably read my about page, and it literally says, like, here you go. It says all this, like, great stuff about myself, like, this huge ego boost, and then now I'm going to go change it to, like, are you struggling with what, like, what, like, like? yes. yes, I'm going to do that. And actually, that's smart, and that was free advice, so I hope you guys go going to do that today. All right, and it's the the second question is always um, more for the majority of the people I follow myself, not so much the social media people, motivational stuff. Because you're you're uh, just one of those badass chicks that are out there now that people are scared of. <laughs>
2: it's
1: just it's true, crazy, man. I mean, thanks. like, and I always talk about this all the time. Like, and, and most recently, I've had more women on our show, and I think it's really because um, I'm seeing more women do amazing things that I am seeing. Guys do amazing things, and the reason I say that is because I don't. Make, maybe women are, are socially they're more comfortable than men, and that might be absolutely true. From a motivating standpoint, one of the things that you said to me, where somebody told you you couldn't do something, and that really that that puts you in a position where you don't get defensive, you get a, passionately aggressive. Yes. To go, oh no, I'm gonna show you I can do it, and I'm the exact same way. Yeah. Give me three tips to motivate. People that are maybe struggling in that area right now, maybe women, maybe guys too, that are struggling in
2: some of the situations that you've been put in. I'm thinking on this for a second because there's so much I could say about this. Do you, wanna, do you want to do me insult you real quick? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So the this is going to sound maybe a little bit therapeutic, but the reality is I've spent the larger part of 10 years and why I think I eventually fell into entrepreneur like an entrepreneurial pursuit was I really went all in on self development I had a disease that left me physically disfigured when I was 14 and I think again those defining things everything in my life after that point became proving I was worth it which is really great usually our biggest setbacks as you know because I know you've had them too they'll push you to do more but You get to a point where you realize it's not fulfilling if you're always kind of acting from a vendetta. And I had to really grapple with that and come to terms. Having said that, one of the biggest things I will say from a confidence standpoint and putting myself out there that I started to do was I actually started to speak to myself like a mother would to a child, And I know that sounds crazy, but for me, again, as a professional tryhard who's always operating from this context of I'm not good enough and I'll prove to people that I am good enough and not believing that I was until recently, this whole self-talk shift that had me actually gain authentic confidence was not false bravado versus... Actually sitting down and like a mother would saying to myself, you know, I'm proud of you, Kate. This is where you've done today. This is what you intended to do. So there's some opportunities for us to improve here. I don't let myself off the hook like a parent would. But I'm also when I started doing that and journaling from the standpoint of a mother or a paternal figure, maternal figure to a child, I think. The majority of us are out here striving for validation and approval in the first place we get that is from our parents and my parents were wonderful but the second I started doing that for myself in the last two years my confidence skyrocketed and I can say confidently now whether I'm being challenged from other folks or not even challenged but questioned, before my first thought would be I have to prove that I know what I'm talking about and now it is a genuine and authentic no I do and that came from shifting very intentionally self-talk from journaling from a mother to a child like dear Kate today this is what you did and this is what I'm proud of you for and this is where I see there's room to grow it really flexed that muscle so that might be completely out there but I've encouraged other people to do it and they've done it and they said it's done wonders for them too so if you're struggling to just believe in yourself and that's a surefire way to start changing self-talk which is really hard to deal with yeah I mean I, I can tell you that like Like majority
1: of the stuff that I'm, like I need to be like tased, yes, to sometimes get motivated. Yes, that means if that makes it makes any sense. Like I'll find myself in a complacent state sometimes. Yes, and I need. It's almost like I need something to happen. Yes, to piss me off. Yes, to trigger me. Yeah, and then I get back in the game. Like it's really weird how things work.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. But. What I found to replace that because I was ch- I was chasing getting pissed off. Mm-hmm. What I found to replace that was taking that and sharing it on social media. Yeah, and then I was using what I what I'm leveraging is other people saying to me that really helped me. Yeah, that gives me keeps me moving. If that makes sense, so totally. it replaced me. Saying, damn man, I need something to like I need somebody to piss me off man yeah like instead of meeting that because I was starting to see that that was what the pattern I needed to be pissed off yeah to to kick out yeah and then I went okay I need to replace this with something because yes. this is weird you know it's true right and you, but it was the same thing with you like I just mean sat- I was
2: addicted to I'm not good enough. And that's a dangerous pattern. It's a motivating pattern because you're constantly proving that you are, but it's dangerous because if that's what's always motivating you to a certain degree, it's because you believe that it's true. Yeah. And I always love a healthy dose of like, I'm not good enough because it keeps me sharp for sure. Sure. I hate when I'm healthily competitive in that degree, but for your overall really being, authentically confident and being able to have those conversations with people that will never stem from a place of I'm not good enough that will stem from a place of I believe in what I do and I know we're good at what we do and so I can have this conversation yeah and I mean that's that's kind of why I replaced it yeah Um, tip two tip two okay tip two is and we we're touching on it here I'm always a fan of give yourself and create circumstances to perform So a lot of people ask me about like amazing. Wow, you hear so much about creating online courses, but you're actually somebody that did it and has sustained it for two years and now we're going into year three with it. What is your biggest piece of advice? And I tell them, sell it before it's there. If you have a social media audience, sell it and then see who buys it and then you have a situation you need to perform. In the example of online courses, most people sit there and they workshop it, and they think of all this curriculum, I have to get the videos, I have to get the worksheets right, and then when I build something perfect, I'll go sell it to an audience. Wrong. If you can beta it with an audience in the live experience, then you can actually adapt it before you put it in the evergreen, which is what I did. That's a highly technical example, but when we're talking about motivation in general, I moved from Baltimore, and I started my business for there and lived and thrived there for seven years. Then I moved to DC, two hours down the road. DC for me was just proving that I could run my business virtually and not have to physically always see my clients. Checked that box. I got really complacent in DC and like, oh, everybody works on the Hill. It's so political. Like, and I love DC. I'm from the area, but I just felt this sense of There's something more and I'm growing, but I've plateaued successfully. And that's the other thing too. Like for me, comfort is the opposite of greatness, right? Like I comfort scares me. I don't like it. And so I got the business to a point where I was like, I'm making a good living for myself. I'm in this cushy apartment. I'm in DC. Like things are pretty good. And I was feeling less satisfied maybe than ever. And so I decided like, I'm going to move to New York and I'm doing it in two months because what now that's forcing me to do is to push the business to a another level where right. you really have to expand it nationally. And I'm going to go bang on LinkedIn headquarters doors once I get to New York and be like, hello, your resident and house expert is here. But consistently give yourself things to perform. And in Todd's case, that may be painful things that are pushing you to perform. But I think you and I both know when you practice that to a degree, you start to give yourself big, lofty things you can look forward to. And I put them on expedited, expedited timelines. So my New York move for me was mapped out in like a three-year thing, and then I was just like, "What if I do something crazy and sign the lease to move in November?" And I did, and now I am full-out hustle mode again yeah. because I have something I, I have to hit that deadline. Yeah, you
1: have no, you have no choice. No choice. And it's it's funny because you did. I mean, we did the same thing everything that you just talked about, you made the decision to do it and that's what you used as your fuel yes. to trigger your motivation and the drive to get done faster.
0: Yes.
1: I'm just trying to think about what I could do to do or what I need to do. Well, I got a couple ideas.
2: Well, I tell people then. too. Like, I, it's not just that I signed the lease. Yeah. I told people the day of my going away, sorry. Right. Because if there's no way I'm moving to New York, guess what? Now there's like... 100 people oh, I need yeah. to answer to you, So you like fully committed You were like yeah. fucking throw me this party by the
1: way yeah. oh, I, I didn't even have a lease like, at I'm that
2: point off. Like I was just like here's the it. day my going away Party is <laughs> It's just scary. It scary You have no fear No I'll figure it out I mean yeah. look if I have to move up to New York with a roommate in a box I'll do it Yeah, and I'll survive at it And I'll document the journey and put it on social media And figure out a way to monetize moving to another city <laughs> That's not what I'm going to do, fortunately. I found really you need to document that, rolling. though. I, need to yeah, I will be. Yeah.
1: you need videographers, when you go to New York, let me know. I do, I, and I, I will. Some, I got some friends out there. Um, and then tip number three. Tip number three about
2: motivating yourself.
1: Get super vulnerable, partner.
2: Don't cry, but get vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Or you can cry. Then yeah, maybe I will. What my my most vulnerable thing? You know... I'll say this personally, and I would, again, assert that it shows up for a lot of people. I think the thing with most people is that we're actually not afraid of how small or not capable we are. We're actually afraid that we're so full of greatness and so capable and it scares us that we're never going to hit that potential. And so what I would say to people and what I realized very painfully through, again, self-development, I was going through this seven month program and they tell you when you enter this program, like you will get, your personality will get thread through the eye of the needle again and again and again in these next seven months. Like it will be the most uncomfortable thing you've ever experienced. Like a crazy person. I was like, amazing. Like I'll see you guys on Monday. And I was about to drop out of the program and my coach, cause you get assigned a coach said to me, I don't care if you drop out of this program or not. But for the love of God, stop making yourself small around men you're in relationships with. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I don't say this to give like a relationship advice sure. on this podcast. I say, I say it because somebody else called me out on how much I would reduce myself. And I was living pretty out loud at that point. I mean, I had businesses, but this is a part of committed to living at integrity in all areas of your life. So like, it's painful to watch a lion act like a lamb. And I think that the thing for all of us are, you are lions in certain regards, whether you consider yourself an extrovert or whatever your trade is, you are capable of greatness and you are worthy of greatness. And instead of getting scared about that, I would get really honest with yourself on how to channel that. And for me, again, that was, I started this shift along with talking to myself like a mother, and it sounds a little morbid, but every day I convince myself I'm gonna die. That's really, really terrible. But every single day, it helps me balance the books of my life against what I want to leave on the table and leave on the court. And for me, that expedited New York like this. I turned 30 this year and I was like, this is a life goal of mine. I'm not getting any younger, I don't have kids or a husband at this point. Like, If I die tomorrow never having lived in New York, Am I going to be satisfied? So I think look at the thing that you most want. And then for me, again, it's kind of sick, but I operate from this. Like, if I die tomorrow, if I die tomorrow, and I say that to myself every single day. It's probably why I call my parents way too much. They're probably (laughs) like, stop calling me and they're like, no, (laughs) but I love you. And you guys are great. I'm going to see you whenever I can. Thank you for sharing that because I would, to get vulnerable is very,
1: very difficult. I love that you said that you're 30. I don't even, this is, this is... I want you to remember this. I don't even remember 30. And I'm 40. So I'm 10 years older than you. And I don't even remember 30. I remember being 29 and writing down in a book that I wanted to own my own car dealership by the time I was 30. And I did. Yeah. And I remember that. But it's amazing. I I was just talking about how, like, like my post yesterday literally was, who the fuck told you life was short? Mm Mm-hmm. Snap. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really well. Yeah. And um. So it's like you know, right now we're talking about all these like, great things that you're doing at thirty. Just at thirty years old, the fuck are you gonna be doing it in ten <laughs> years, man? Like it's just it's just crazy to me because I don't, I don't even remember what I was doing when I was thirty years old. Like my life didn't even start. And that's where I always want people to kind of understand that, like you don't know in your life when things are gonna just open up for you you'll yes. know when it's starting to happen it'll totally make sense to you it be yes. like oh this is this is the this is the moment yes. that I was waiting for you'll know and sometimes it happens for people younger sometimes people have, have us feel much much older there's actors out there that have all their life tried to be the best actors in the world yeah. and they don't even get their break until they're 60 or 70 years old totally. and that's the break they're like oh I was meant to be the old man in all these movies yes. this was my this was who I was supposed to be yeah, so um, it's just interesting to me that you're 30 years old and like you're doing all this stuff and you use that and I, I'm going to die thing because I use that too all the time but that yeah, you're only 30 man
2: thanks like, yeah
1: it's, it's, a, it's, it's very interesting to me to look back in 10 years I walked to do another like I was doing more episodes You she's doing more worse she gets New York she's like I fucking made a huge mistake <laughs> yeah, that's no i okay, so you'll never even talk about that but like, it would be interesting to like have, go back and like the 10 year follow up of like you know you at 40 and you're like I can't believe I said all that stuff when I was thirty. Like, and you or if you like, yeah. I mean, th- thirty-year-old me had no idea that this stuff was going to
2: happen. That's why I love podcasts so, so much. Totally, because it's a capturing time. Well, and that's the thing I was going to say about talking to yourself. And again, for me, as you guys have probably heard, I love the written word. It's very cathartic for me. I've kept journals from age ten, and it is the best. I'm so thankful. I don't know where at ten year old I had this idea. And when I became a teenager and went through the traumatic things I went through with the disease, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to write about all of this. And then I'm going to hand it to my daughter to show her, like, trust me, I went through all of this, like, this is the thing, but it's almost been so great now because I look back and it's like looking at a completely different person. You're like, I want to go hug this child. I have writing from when I was seven, just talking about things in school and how I was upset. I'm like, I'm so thankful that I did that, but also you really get to measure how far you've come and half that stuff. I don't remember writing. and I'm like, oh my gosh, she needs a hug. Dude, <laughs> <Like, laughs> <big time. laughs>
1: yeah, I'm 100. I'm, I'm glad you're using that to, to talk about like you know, the children in the future and stuff like that. And you're talking about not because that's going to show in ten years. Yeah, a yeah. nine-year-old would be like, "Geez, you're talking about me back then." That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> my son, I suffer from attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and. Probably seen it, obviously, where I'm, like, moving around, like, 50 different times. My oldest son suffers from it. Yeah. And so it's good for me to be able, it's good for him to be able to have me to go, did I, did, did you feel like this? 100%, man. Yeah. Nothing makes you feel better as a kid to go to your parents. And you remember this question you probably I asked when you asked your mom and dad, they'll, they'll say, yes, you used to ask this, or your future kids will ask you this. Did this happen to you? Yeah. Did you ever feel like this? Like, that question will come up. Yes. I will tell you from as a parent. Yeah tell them yes, every single time. It will make them feel so much better. Done. Um, Thank you so much for coming. Thank
2: you for having
1: me. It means so much to me. Where can people follow you? How can people follow you? Where's the best places to find you? All that type of stuff. Yeah,
2: Yeah. so LinkedIn, obviously. Duh! Uh, uh, My name is spelled a little bit different. So Kate is not K-A-T, it's K-A-I-T. It's Caitlin, they just like chopped off the L-I-N. So, Caitlin on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm active on Instagram. Yeah, you're super active. On Instagram. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's where I kind of let loose sometimes. and right. I just make fun of myself. I'm like a mom sense of humor without kids is me on Instagram. So cool. yeah, I mean those two channels for sure. Um, and then the courses, the Influence Dot Academy. That right there, hundred percent. Yes, people need to to
1: at least go check it out. Yes, you you give and you do thirty day. 30-day uh, free, tri- free trial. I guess it's free trial. It's, yeah, you know, we have money a 30-day money-back guarantee. Money-back guarantee. Money back guarantee. Yeah. Do they get any videos for free up front? Anything like that? We, like
2: a taste? Um, for certain people... So I'll say two things. We have an onboarding webinar where if they didn't go through the typical funnel, again, you could learn a lot just from that webinar because it's like a regular webinar. You give them enough and then you're like, and you need the whole program. So there's that. We have it recorded for people. But And for specific people, we'll do... Um, and I say specific people because... We vet that community. Like, I actually kicked somebody out of it because that's how serious I take the integrity of the community. Um, I want serious, like people about their business in that community. So, it's oh, you always it. like You, I am invested in every single one of the students. And for specific ones, we'll give the foundation module too. Yeah. Just so they can know. At yeah, least I like that we do the process. same thing. We give them
1: like one or two videos for free just so they get a taste of it. Yes. I don't want them spending their money if they're not going to do it. Five, cool. yeah, totally. so thank you again for coming on. Um, please go yeah. follow uh, Kate. I think you guys will get a lot out of it. Thank you so much to The Point.
2: Oh, I can't wait to eat. Because she's going to down all this food. Thank you yeah. so much for Hit
1: brand um, Totally appreciate that. Spotify, thank you so much. Uh, and obviously, we're going to have Kate back on. If there's no question about it.
0: has been a Todd Collins Official production in conjunction with Platinum Reputations. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Todd Todd Collins Collins official, or visit us at www.ToddCollinsOfficial.com Want to be on the show or become a sponsor? Message us on Facebook and tell us why.